Thank you, John, and thank you, Praise Team. Good morning, College Hills, and Happy New Year to you all. Uh, for those who are here with us for the first time, uh, please know that you are our honored guest. And if you are visiting with us, uh, know that today is a special day in the life of our church um, as we are going to be ordaining, appointing elders uh, to continue to serve here at College Hills. Uh, reminder that next week we'll be back to our typical Sunday morning service, and that's actually going to kick off Wednesday night when we're going to start our classes back at 6.30, and then next Sunday uh, we'll be back to our typical schedule. So please make note of that for next week. Um, one important piece of news that we wanted to update our church on concerns uh, Kevin and his family. Um, as many of you all know, his brother-in-law, Rob, has been fighting cancer for the last many years. Um, Kevin went to be with Rob and his family in California uh, last Monday, and this past Friday, Rob passed away, and Kevin and Jana wanted to let you all know that, but also to thank you for all of your kindness and prayers, um, your encouragement to Rob over the last many years and to Kevin and his family. And so please keep Kevin and Jana in their prayers as they are in California and will be there for uh, the next few days. So continue to be with them, pray for God to be with them. Uh, but Kevin and Jana wanted me to, to thank you all for all of the love and support that you are giving to them and have given to them. Um, like I said, today we are having a, a special service where we are honoring and ordaining our elders. And there's two passages as we reflect on the calling of a shepherd that I want us to hear. Uh, one that Mason just read. And then another message, another passage, and then we will pray and get into our message. So the first passage is from Luke chapter 9, and the second is from 2 Peter 5. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with them. As the men were leaving... Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at the time what they had seen. Second passage from 1 Peter 5. Now as an elder myself and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you to tend to the flock of God that is in your charge exercising the oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do it, not for sordid gain, but eagerly. Do not lord it over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. 
And when the chief shepherd appears, you will win the crown of glory that never fades away. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that you have called us to be your children, to be your church, to be your family, to be your hands and feet in the world. And today we're mindful of the different parts of the body that you have called, specifically that of shepherds and elders. God, I pray as we hear these words from Luke and these words from Peter, that you would give me the gift of preaching and teaching and that I would speak a word that's faithful to who you are, who you're calling shepherds to be here at College Hills and who you're calling all of us to be. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, by the power of your spirit, amen. Can you imagine what it must have been like to have been there? Can you imagine what it must have been like for Peter, James, and John to wake up that morning in what they thought was going to be a pretty ordinary, everyday kind of day? This day was like one of the many that they had woken up to before, where they were following Jesus, learning to be disciples of Jesus. But on this day, Jesus called Peter, James, and John, his inner core, so to speak, to come up with him on a mountain to pray. Again, this is something that the disciples had done before, but this particular day, this particular moment, this particular mountain was going to be something that they had never experienced. Because as they were up on that mountain praying, Jesus, while he was praying, was transformed. He was transformed into this radiant bright light. His face was changed. His clothes were shining white as lightning. And there, if, if that moment wasn't vivid and vibrant enough, it was made all the more amazing by the fact that Moses and Elijah joined with Jesus in that moment to have conversation with him about his mission, his ministry, and his upcoming departure, his upcoming exodus that was about to happen in Jerusalem. They were surrounded in this glorious moment. They were surrounded in this divine moment, this heaven coming to earth kind of moment. And Peter, James, and John saw it. They got to catch a glimpse of this glorious, amazing, heaven meets earth kind of moment. Here's how Luke records Peter, James, and John's experience. He writes these words. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. In this moment, Peter, James, and John get a glimpse of divine glory. In this moment, Peter, James, and John get a picture of who Jesus really is. And they get a picture of who they are called to be. They don't just get a picture of who Jesus is, they also get a picture of discipleship. This is especially true of Peter. Peter, in this moment, has something happen with this transfiguration of Jesus. 
that will forever shape how he imagines what it means to be a transformed disciple of Jesus. If you read through the letters of Peter that we know as 1st and 2nd Peter, one of the things that you're going to notice about Peter's writing is that he uses this word glory a lot. Time and time again, Peter talks about glory. And more often than not, when Peter talks about glory, he talks about discipleship. Glory and discipleship always go together for Peter. And part of the reason is because of the Old Testament history of this word glory. This Old Testament word glory was this idea of kind of heaviness or weight. And when in the Old Testament the glory of God is talked about, it's talked about in such a way where the presence of God is being made known. Where the very life of God is breaking into these ordinary moments. That to participate in glory was always about participating in the very life and essence and nature of God. And so when Peter talks about discipleship, he constantly talks about glory, almost seamlessly. He can't talk about one with talking about the other. One of my favorite examples from Peter's writings happens in 2 Peter 1, where we read these words of Peter. His divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Thus he has given us through these things his precious and very great promises so that through them you may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of lust and may become participants of the divine nature. Peter seamlessly moves from talking about the glory of God into talking about our calling as disciples. Peter can seamlessly move from talking about the presence and divine nature of God and then immediately begins talking about how we are called to participate in that divine nature. That to be a disciple for Peter was about us participating more and more in God's life and goodness and glory. To be a disciple was about us becoming more and more glorious creatures as we see the ultimate example of that with the transfiguration of Jesus. That the transfiguration of Jesus for Peter gave this glimpse of the goal for all disciples. It gave him this, this place upon which to put his hope. Not just in who Jesus was, but in who he was called to be. Into who these churches to whom he's writing are called to be. That glory was something that was very much about the future for Peter. And it was very much about the present. That to be a disciple, that to be a Christian, was to be a person who was growing more and more into God's glory day by day by day. But... For Peter, glory didn't just give him a picture of what it meant to be a Christian. It also gave him a picture of what it meant to be a Christian leader. Specifically, what it meant to be an elder or a shepherd of the church. Notice what he says in our passage that we just heard read this morning. Now, as an elder myself and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory to be revealed... I exhort the elders among you to tend the flock of God that is in your charge, 
exercising the oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do it. Not for sordid gain, but eagerly. Do not lord it over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will win the crown of glory that never fades away. Everything that Peter writes to these elders, these shepherds, happens within this frame of glory. He begins by talking about glory. Specifically, he lets them know that he is participating in glory with them. In other words, there is this present tense notion of glory that Peter and these other elders and this church are experiencing in the here and now. Glory is very much something that we are participating in now. And then he ends this instruction by holding out the crown of glory as this goal for these shepherds and elders. In other words, that there's also this future tense dimension of glory that we're not fully who God is transforming us into, that there is still this crown of glory that is going to be given to leaders of the church, these elders of the church. And so there's this tension in Peter's instructions, this tension of you are very much experiencing the glory now and I am sharing in that glory with you, and there is still yet a crown of glory that's going to be given to you. And Christian leadership, being a shepherd, being an elder, happens within that tension. And it doesn't just happen within that tension, it, it also gives the essence of one of the central callings of what it means to be a shepherd. I would say it this way. The calling of a shepherd is to guide their sheep towards our glorious future with God in the here and now. The calling of a shepherd is to guide their sheep towards our glorious future with God in the here and now. That glory is something that we are participating in and it's the goal of the Christian walk. That the glory that is yet to come is informing us and shaping us and drawing us deeper into life with God deeper into the divine nature that we're called to participate in, closer and closer to fully transformed men and women made glorious by the divine power of God. And everything that, that Peter tells these shepherds in between these bookends of verse 1 and verse 4 are all aiming in that direction of glory, whether it's oversight, whether it's why they are a shepherd, whether it's how they exercise their power, it's all framed by this goal of glory. And it's that goal of glory that is to shape the leadership of elders in the here and now. A few weeks ago, I was talking to a friend who is a minister at a church in another city, and he was telling me about a debate that he was having with his children about getting a pet fish. There was a debate in their household about if these kids of his could get some fish or not. He didn't want his kids to get these pet fish because he knew that their pet would quickly turn into his pet. But they negotiated and negotiated and finally said, okay, we'll get a couple fish. And so he goes to the local pet store and he gets everything needed for this aquarium. He gets the tank and he gets some rocks and sand for the bottom and 
He gets a little plastic pirate ship to put in there for his sons. But when he checks out, he is surprised to find that there's something else that he needs to purchase. Because while he's checking out, the the lady working behind the counter said to him, whatever you do, don't let these fish live in the tap water. Whatever you do, don't just put the tap water in the tank and then throw the fish in. Because there's chemicals and other treatments that's in our tap water that will kill the fish immediately. Now my friend who didn't want these fish thought this might be a convenient way for him to get the fish and get rid of the fish all within the same day. But he's a good dad. And so he bought this other thing that the clerk recommended. Aquarium conditioner. If you don't know what aquarium conditioner is, basically it's something that is added to the water. It's just a few drops, but the purpose of the conditioner is to create the conditions for the fish to not just survive, but to thrive. That the purpose of this conditioner is to create an environment where the fish can live and grow and become healthy creatures who live in healthy ways. My friend, who's a minister, his church was going through an elder selection process when this moment happened with him and his sons, and and he told me that he had an aha moment. His aha moment was this parallel that he was seeing between the life of an aquarium and the life of a church. That there is this special role that Christian leaders play, specifically shepherds and elders, that is intended to create certain conditions to where all the individuals at that church can grow in healthy and holy ways. That one of the central callings of a shepherd is to create the conditions where glory and holiness can develop where the people of God at a particular church, in the life of a particular church, have have such an environment created by those leaders that they can grow into all who God intends them to become. And that's why today is such an important day in the life of our congregation. Because in the life of our congregation today, we are calling two individuals to, to join us in this holy work. This sacred, holy work of allowing God's glorious future to shape our present. And I I say the word, join us. Because I want to make it clear that this glorious work of God is very much at work in life and in the leadership of our church currently. That we see glimpses of God's glory all around us. And we see it through our elders here at this church. We see it in Jay, who always strives to grow and learn and models a lifelong obedience in a faithful direction. We see it in Danny, who constantly gives blessings, prayers, and petitions for our church family in love. We see it in Van, who keeps reminding us of the person and priority of Jesus in all that we do as a church. We see it in Mike, who constantly encourages and gives us a glimpse 
of the God who upholds us in all seasons. We see it in Frank, in the way he offers the hospitality of God and the way he welcomes, invites, and cares for all people. We see it in Charles, in the way he keeps us prayerfully open to the Spirit, constantly at work in our midst. We see it in John, who offers a steadfastness and a presence, reflecting the God who is always faithful and present to us. We see it in Troy, who shares kindness with all kinds of people and helps us to see the God who is kind to all of us. We see it in Jeff, in the way that he models a deep trust in the God who provides for us in all seasons and stages of life. We see it in Gary, who consistently shows care and concern for the flock here at College Hills and beyond. We see it in Tom, who tirelessly serves and shares, not for his sake, but for the sake of being a blessing to others. And each of these men are blessed with spouses who co-partner with them in their work, ministry, and service. That's why we often use the language at our church of shepherding couples, because the work of a shepherd can never be done alone. We are blessed with 11 wonderful influences that are constantly striving to guide our church towards a glorious future with God in the here and now. They are striving to help our church have the environment and conditions where we can all grow and mature in Christ. They're striving to embody this calling of Peter, the one that he gives to elders of the church, the calling of the shepherd is to guide their sheep towards our glorious future with God in the here and now. Shepherds are to help the church moving towards and living into life with God. And today we're adding two more shepherds to that mission. When Peter and James and John come down the mountain, the very next thing that Luke records is noteworthy. We're told of a man who has a son with an evil spirit, and he comes to tell Jesus that his disciples can't drive the demon out. Jesus addresses the man and the son, and then he drives out the evil spirit. I think it's noteworthy that Peter, James, and John have a glorious mountaintop moment, and then right after that, they have a bottom-of-the-mountain moment. They have a majestic moment with Jesus, and then they have a very mundane moment. They have a heavenly moment, and then a very humble moment. What an appropriate glimpse of discipleship and leadership. We have majestic moments and mundane ones. We have glorious moments and then very gritty ones. We have heavenly moments, and then we are humbled. And yet, Jesus is present with them through all of those moments. This is the central conviction that we need our elders to remind us of, and this is what we need to keep reminding each other of, that no matter what we face, whether at the top of the mountain or at the bottom of the mountain, Jesus is still with us. He's still calling disciples to be a part of his church, and he is still calling leaders to serve this church. We're now going to stand and sing a song, and often this is a song of invitation, and it's always 
very much that, but it's also, I hope this morning, a song of, of contemplation. That we contemplate the glory of God in our midst. And we also contemplate our future glory with God that he's calling all of us to. So let's stand and sing this song and then we'll transition to our ordination of elders.